at Andrew and Steph's rehearsal dinner, I lost something that was really important to me. Let me backtrack a little bit. People in the room knew what I lost. And I had no idea the whole entire time. And so we walk out at the end of the night, and I remember where I parked my Jeep. And I walk out, and my Jeep is no longer in that spot anymore. Now, I feel really weird about this because I have my keys on me right now. And I start freaking out, like, oh my gosh, someone definitely stole my Jeep. I don't know how they did this. I'm looking all around. It is raining outside. I'm like, where is my Jeep? And I'm starting to freak out. I'm ready to call 911 at this point, right? And Jess goes, look across the street. And as I look across the street, there is my Jeep in all of its glory. And I am going, how in the world did it get across the parking lot? And now I instantly know who did it. But I look at Jess and I say, when? When did this person do it? And so she tells me, while you were in the middle of telling a story. And if you guys have ever hung out with me when we got to a restaurant or anything, when I tell a story, nothing else matters. All attention is on me, right? I demand it. And so I'm way too deep into this story. I am engaged. People are laughing. They are having a great time. But really now I'm finding out that they were just fake laughing because they were all part of this whole setup, right? And so while I was telling the story, one of my friends went over and stole my keys. And he had given it to someone that all of you probably know, and I'll tell you who that person is in just a couple of minutes, right? And so he snuck off and he moved my car. And Andrew loves every second of this because the same exact thing happened to him at my rehearsal dinner. Doug had snuck out in the middle of the rehearsal dinner and moved my car across the lot. He had done the same thing to Andrew. How he pulls this off, I don't know. But that feeling of losing something is the worst feeling. Um, when we first got Kylie, Jess and I had different training methods. My training method was to just let her go, and I just figured she would be fine, and she would go and take care of her business outside. Jess was all about the leash. She had to be on the leash at all times. And so we got her in the month of January, and so one day it was snowing pretty hard out, and so I had let her outside and I was standing right there. I was watching her the entire time. And she wasn't really moving. She was just standing, sitting in one spot, basically. And I turned my back for five seconds to go get a shovel. Like, literally five seconds, guys. And I turn around, and this dog is gone. There are no footprints anywhere, and I start really losing it. You guys know that feeling that hits when you lose something. It is one of the worst feelings. And so I'm looking everywhere. I'm running throughout the backyard. I am screaming her name. I am going on the neighbor's property. This dog is nowhere to be found. And now I start really getting nervous. Like, and your mind just jumps to the worst conclusions instantly. I'm like, she's dead somehow. It's only been 10 seconds, but this dog is dead. I'm like, I'm going to be dead. I need to move to Mexico because Jess is going to kill me. Like, I'm never going to be able to see daylight ever again if I don't find this dog, right? And so I go to look in the front yard, and there is Kylie up on the steps waiting politely by the door. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I have been screaming your name, dog. What are you doing up there? I was almost mad that I found her. I wanted her to be, like, trapped in something. At least it would be a good story. But she was, like, mocking me the whole entire time just sitting up there. But that feeling of losing something is the absolute worst. And I don't know if you guys are like me, but when I lose something, it is always someone else's fault. It is never my fault. And the, usually the two people I blame 
are Jess and Kylie. You know, after I've looked for about 30 seconds, I know that they've touched it or that they have moved it. I would blame my mom if I still lived with her because it is never actually my fault. And if you're like me, you get discouraged from looking pretty fast. Like, I'm like 30 seconds into it, and I, I'm just done looking. I'm, I'm ready to give up. I can't handle this. Someone stole it. Someone took it, or someone put it somewhere else. And you know what the truth is, guys? I think that's true when it comes to the people in our life that we care about that aren't close to Jesus. You know, they're technically lost. And, and I know that may even seem like a weird way of putting it, but they don't have the hope that you and I do. And maybe you've invited them to church before. Maybe a friend, maybe a family member, and, and they declined. Or maybe you've been praying for them for a really long time, and you just wanted them to have faith in God so badly. And you got discouraged, and you stopped doing that. And I want to encourage you guys that are in the room tonight, that maybe we just lose our resolve a little bit too easily. Maybe God wants us to fight a little bit harder. You know, not everything in life is meant to come easy. Sometimes we got to put our gloves on and go to work, guys. There have been times in my life for people that I've really cared about who have been so lost, and I love them so deeply, and I just want them to know Jesus so badly. But it hasn't happened overnight. It's taken a lot of prayer and a lot of inviting. And maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're sitting here and you're going, Joey, there's people in my life that, you know, I've tried and it just doesn't work, so I've given up. I've shut that door. And then there's another group of us tonight. This other group, we just don't really care that much about the people in our lives that don't know Jesus. We know who he is and we're secure that we're going to go to heaven one day. But all these other people in our life, we're kind of really could just care less. And guys, that breaks God's heart tonight. And that is a huge issue. A lot of us are really comfortable tonight. We like youth group the way it is. We know who our friends are. You know, there's no one else here to like the boy that you like, so you ain't gonna invite any other girls here to try and steal your man, right? I've heard things like that. I've been a youth pastor for a long time. Literally, people have told me things like that before. Guys, that is so far from the heart of God and so far from what he wants you guys to be. God wants this place full of people that don't know him. And I know some of the things that start popping into your head right away. But Joey, I, I go to Christian school. I don't really know anyone that doesn't know Jesus. Just because you go to Christian school doesn't mean your friends aren't lost. People can say that they know Jesus and not really be walking with him at all. And they're just as lost as the people that have never even heard about him before. And so there are tons of people in our lives that need to know who Jesus is. And God has put you in their life for a reason and for a purpose. And guys, it needs to start bothering us. It needs to start making us upset that one day, if they were to die, that they would go to hell. That's something that should really make us upset. You know, this always becomes real to me when I go to a funeral. And I was at a funeral last weekend. I knew the person, and I prayed for them, and prayed for them. In fact, the day that they died, I prayed for them that morning. I haven't seen this person in probably 10 years, but it was just on my heart to pray for them. And you know what? You never know what God does in the last moments of someone's life. But as I sat there in that room, I couldn't help but feel like I didn't know where that person really was. And could have I have done something different? 
Could I have changed maybe the course if I was just bold enough to say something or do something? And if I'm a pastor and I feel like this, I'm sure some of you guys feel this way too. And this is something that I am so passionate about. And, and if you come to Green Room, you're going to hear me talk about this twice a year, about the loss, because I just think that's something that God wants us to do and something that he wants me to really challenge you guys to do is to really love these people in our lives that are lost and are hurting. And so we can't be comfortable with where we're at, guys. What happens between these walls wasn't meant to stay between these walls. You guys, you know, some of you guys are so pumped about what happens here on Friday nights. You love worship. You love being able to get prayer at the end of the night. But it's got to follow you outside these walls. It's got to go into your schools. It's got to go into your family. Change has to happen. If you have a real encounter with Jesus, it is supposed to change everything. Stop letting it stay between these walls. Some of you need to stop playing church tonight. Stop just going through the motions. You want to make your faith real? You want to know what it's like to really live for God? Talk to someone that you don't know about Jesus. And watch what he'll do in those moments. Some of, some of those times are just the times where I feel closest to God, where I, he's just called me to be bold and talk to someone when I feel uncomfortable and everything inside me doesn't want to do it, but I choose to do it anyway, those are some of the times where I feel my faith is the most alive. And guys, there is so much at stake tonight. It's the people that you love and the people that God loves. And we have to be willing to do something about it. We have to be willing to be the change that he has called us to be. Because whether you believe it or not, and you guys are so young in the room tonight, and Death feels like it is a million miles away for you guys. I, I get that. You feel like you're, that's like so far down the road, but it comes to all of us. And when I'm on my deathbed, I don't want to think that I could have done more or said more for the people in my life that I care about. And I don't want you guys to feel that way either. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 15 tonight. And this is what it says in verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. And so you guys need to picture this. These people that Jesus is hanging out with considered themselves to be perfect. Yet they had so much sin in their lives. They just pretended to be perfect. And they hated Jesus. And one of the biggest reasons why they hated him is because he spent time with people who were nothing like him. People that were full of sin. And they couldn't understand why someone who claimed to be God would hang out with people who were so messed up. And so this just drove them mad. They're sitting in the audience and they, they are just hating every word that he says for no other reason than just the fact that he's talking to sinful people. Guys, God wants you and I to love these people, to care about these people, the broken kids in school, the ones who you know are up to no good, the ones whose lives are just falling apart and they act all tough, but really they're so broken inside. God loves those people. He loves the worst of sinners. And if he was willing to hang out with them, I think he wants us to hang out with them. And you guys need to be careful with this because you're young and it's really easy to get pulled down by people like this 
sometimes. And so you guys need to be careful. You need to surround yourself with good Christian friends at this, at, on one hand, but you also need to be willing to talk to these other people and care about them because Jesus cares so much about them. and He loves them. See, people who are nothing like Jesus love Jesus. And those who are nothing like Jesus love to be around Jesus. It went both ways. They were so attracted to the godliness in him. And you know what? My prayer is that the people of the world would be drawn to the parts of us that are close to God, that they would see his presence inside of us, and it would change everything. So let's go to this next verse. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And so Jesus is comparing himself to a shepherd now, and he says that there are all these sheep. There's 99 good sheep, and there's one that has wandered away. This one has gotten lost. Wouldn't you leave the 99 good ones in order to go get the one that has wandered away? And if I think that the Pharisees could speak up this, at this moment, they would say, no, we wouldn't leave the one good one. At first, it, it, it doesn't make sense, right? Well, why would I leave the 99 good ones for the one that's messed up? Why wouldn't I just keep watching over them and making sure that they're good and they're on track and where they should be? And so this is like a math problem almost to them. They're trying to figure this out. Have you guys ever been in math class before? And you get this problem and you're like, I have no idea what this person is talking about. That was me in math class almost all the time. Um, I had a really hard time with real numbers and imaginary numbers. Like, who made that up? If it's imaginary, how could you say that it's real? I remember getting into an argument with my teacher about it. Like, if you're going to call it imaginary, then it should be imaginary. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. And so here, here are the Pharisees right now, and they are deeply struggle, struggling with what is going on right now. They just cannot get their mind around it. They are stumped. This math doesn't add up to them. But to Jesus, it makes total sense. This is what it says in verse 5. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. And I, I love this. Because Jesus goes out and he goes and he finds this sheep. He pursues it. He lets the 99 stay good. And he goes after the lost one. And he looks and he and probably spends night and day trying to find this sheep until he gets it. And then he throws it over its shoulder, his shoulder, and he brings it back. You know, so many of us tonight feel like he's mad at that one that has wandered. We'd look at that one and say, man, what a screw-up that person is. What a mess-up that person is. How could they have let their life get to this point? God wouldn't want anything to do with someone like that. But that is so the opposite of God's heart tonight. You know what? Some of you guys are that lost sheep tonight. Here I am in the middle of talking about how we should love the lost, but some of you feel lost tonight. Maybe there are things in your life that have drawn you far away from God. And you feel like you just can't go back. You can't really tell anyone where you've really been or what's really happening in your heart because you feel like God has nothing but anger towards you. You feel like he has nothing 
but shame in his eyes when he looks at you. That is so far from the truth. We read it right here that he picks this up and he rejoices over the sheep that is found. You know, people often say that, you know, that it's all up to you, that you got to find your way back to God. No, God is pursuing some of you guys. He's ready to kick in the door in the broken places that you've been hiding in on. He'll come and he'll find you because you are his and he loves you so very much in the middle of the brokenness that you are in tonight. So some of you guys who feel lost tonight, God is looking for you. He's waiting for you to come back so he can rejoice over what was once lost and now is found. Let's look at this next verse. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And so, here it is. God is so passionate about the lost. This is what matters to him, guys. This is what's on his heart. So many of you are asking, God, what's your plan for my life? God, what do you want me to do? And God does have a unique plan for each and every one of your life. But one of the biggest screen things that he's telling back to you is that I am your life. Colossians 3 says that. And Christ who is your life. And you know what the biggest part of that life is to be? Is that you would seek out the lost because that's what he's doing. And he wants you to find those people in your school and your family members and care about them and love them and bring them back home because he is so passionate about the lost people in our lives. And so the Pharisees are just getting so mad at this point. They're so angry. And Jesus just keeps on going. He, he jumps into another parable. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Here's what some of you guys are at tonight. Some of you guys, like we said before, have found yourself in a pit and you just feel like that you are just surrounded by just so much junk that God couldn't even find you if you wanted to. That you have just found yourself in such a deep, dark hole. But God is looking for you, and he's sweeping through that house, and he's not going to give up until he finds you. You are so precious to him. He cares about you so very much, and he feels the same exact way about those in our lives that don't know him. This is what it says in verse 9. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. The Bible says that every single time that someone comes to know Jesus, that there is a party in heaven. I think that just for a moment, all of heaven pauses for a second. And God looks down and he goes, what was once lost is now found. And all of heaven rejoices in that moment. I think these moments are so very special to God. He's got so many things going on, right, as he's sitting on the throne. But he takes a time out, I think. Every single time, one person decides to turn from their sin and follow him. So those of you that are ashamed, those of you that just feel beaten up tonight, those of you 
that feel like that you can't even start inviting anyone else because you're too much of a mess. You know what you need to do tonight? Is you need to trade that shame in for joy and know that God hasn't given up on you in the middle of what you're going through tonight. That he still loves you and he's still passionate about you and he still cares about you and he just wants you to turn around. And when you do, there is great rejoicing in heaven. Jesus has this conversation with Peter right after Peter had really fallen short and as Jesus is about to go back to heaven. And he asks him this question, Peter, do you love me? And Peter looks at back and says, you know that I love you, Lord. And then he says this, feed my sheep. Take care of my people. Guys, God wants you to look after other people in your life. And, and I know what you're thinking, but Joey, I'm not a pastor. I, I'm just someone. I don't even know what to say. That's okay. You don't even have to know what to say all the time. All you need to do is be willing to invite someone. We've made it really easy. You guys just get them in the door and I will take care of the rest. Just be willing to be bold enough to say, hey, do you want to come check out my youth group sometime? And I know that just seems like the most scary question in the whole entire world, but you guys can do it. I believe in you. You don't have to pull out a presentation or, or you know, this whole breakdown or a pie chart on why you should be a Christian and why hell is really bad. Like, you don't have to do anything like that. All you got to do is just get them in the room. And you know what? God will meet you in that. He'll give you the strength in, the, in those moments. And he'll meet that person here and he'll do the rest. He just wants to know if you're bold enough to invite someone. And so we need to love the lost. So who is that person in your life? You know, in just a couple of minutes, we're going to wind down. And the band will come back up. I really want you to think about that tonight. Who are the people in your life that you need to be willing to talk to? That you need to be willing to invite? The people that you need to be willing to start really praying for. There were some people in my life that I really care about. Maybe some of you guys have heard me tell this story before. I so desperately wanted them to know Jesus. And I just felt like deep down that it was never going to happen. But I mustered up enough faith to really start just praying for these people all the time. And... It got to the point where I would literally drive by their house and pray for them. That's a little creepy, right? But I would do it anyway because I just wanted God to do something so badly. And I knew that these people were hurting in some different ways and I just felt like Jesus could put back together some of the pieces of their life. So much so that I just prayed for years, for years and years. And finally, God opened up a door where I never thought there was going to be a door. But I had to keep praying and I had to keep fighting. And you know what? God gave me the opportunity that I wanted so badly. And because of that, three out of the four members that I've been praying for, my family members, now go to church, now have some sort of relationship with Jesus. And it was all because that I was willing to start really working. And, and I don't think I'm anything special or that I did that. I know that was God at work, and he just needed someone to be the vessel to do it. And you guys can do the same exact thing. Every morning, I pray. And I just set some time aside and, and I just pace my bedroom. And every morning, I make it a priority to pray for every single family member that I have that doesn't know Jesus. And I pray for them by name. 
and I talk about their current things that they're going through every single day because my family knows that I'm a pastor and their hearts are hard sometimes. But you know what? I know that Jesus can do the impossible and he can do the same for your family members too if you would just be willing to be bold enough to start fighting. So who are those people in your life? No matter how difficult or how impossible the enemy tells you it is, it is completely possible. And we need to be passionate about this because Jesus is. And so here's tonight's bottom line. It's that real followers live to make the lost found. Let me say that again. Real followers live to make the lost found. And that's my prayer for you guys is that you would get passionate about this, that you wouldn't let any of the people that you really care about stand before God one day without you telling them about his great love, that you would pray about it day in and day out and see God do something because he loves the people in your life that you love and care about. Let me pray for you guys. God, I thank you so much for tonight. And I just thank you, God, that you are over and you are above all things. And I just pray, Jesus, for every single family member, every single friend that is just lost tonight, God, that they, they don't have any hope. They just are wandering through this earth, God, without the purpose that you want to give to them. I pray for everyone in this room tonight that they would get passionate about talking to others about Jesus. God, that they would invite other people to youth group, God, that what happens in these walls wouldn't stay in these walls that it would invade schools and families, God, that there would be real life change, Jesus. I pray, God, that you would just put it on everyone's heart just to bring that one person next week, that you would do, Jesus, what only you can do in the middle of these broken, impossible situations, and you would show yourself powerful, God. Thank you, Jesus, that you loved me when I was lost. Jesus, that you loved me when I wandered off, when there was 99 good ones and I was the broken one who chased after things of this world that you came and you broke down the door in my brokenness and you found me and you pulled me out. Forever grateful for that. Never deserved this love, Jesus. So grateful. I pray, God, tonight for those in the room, God, that just feel like they are just too far gone or too messed up that you would show them that your love is enough, that it breaks down everywhere that we've been and replaces it with your love and you carry us back home tonight. Thank you so much, Jesus. We pray all these things.